Internet, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So what if, what if I said to you today that, that there is a way that will make you healthier? It will like improve your sleep. It will lessen stress and anxiety. It will potentially lower blood pressure. And, and overall, it will just make you healthier. I can tell some of you are already starting to lean in. And here's the real good news. There's nothing to do with, with diet, with exercise, or with medication. Like, like heck, if, if you began to implement this into your life on a regular basis, um, you could like hang out on the couch eating chips, watching Netflix, and you'd actually begin to get healthier. And listen, this isn't just me kind of making this up. Um, this is actually documented by studies from the University of Harvard that, that, that has been following this and tracking this for an incredibly long time. So you interested? Want to know what one of the ultimate life hacks is to make you healthier? One word. Forgiveness. I right, listen, listen, listen. Don't, don't, don't pull out yet. Don't, 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 don't step away. Uh, some of you might be thinking, oh, you know what? I will settle for diet and exercise and medication. Because here's the reality. We've all been hurt. We are all hurting. We, we know that in relationships, we know that in people, life gets messy within family, within work, w- w- just within all of life. And forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is hard. But I believe that forgiveness is one of the fundamental disciplines in life. And I use the word discipline because forgiveness isn't natural. It doesn't come easy. It's not like we wake up in the morning and be like, I I cannot wait to act in a forgiving manner. Well, last number of weeks, we've been doing a series called Inspired. And And it's a series that looks at how does our faith inspire us to step into places that we may not have gone on our own. And I know for myself, one of the most inspiring things that I see in others when it comes to their faith and their relationship with Jesus is when they are willing to forgive. And so I don't know where you are when it comes to faith. Maybe you're someone who is still kind of exploring faith and, and wondering what does it mean to look to follow Jesus. Today's conversation is at the heart of what Jesus wants for us in life. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, maybe this is a gentle reminder for us to realize that our faith is not just simply about what we believe, but how do we behave? How do we act in a way where forgiveness becomes critical in our life? And so today I want to, I want to turn to a, a real key teaching of Jesus. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was, was one of the followers of Jesus. And, and there's this teaching that Jesus gives to us around forgiveness. And I really kind of want to break down this message. And I, I'm not normally a list guy. I don't like doing that. But I want to look at three kind of areas. What forgiveness is not what forgiveness is, and then practical steps we can begin to take today so that forgiveness becomes a part of our life. And so if you have a Bible, I I would suggest that that you start kind of reading along with us a little bit. I know I don't say this all the time, but if you want to take some notes, it might just be helpful to kind of remind you as we continue to go along. And so the place we're going to land at is, is Matthew chapter 18. And it's a time where Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God, of, of the kingdom that he is building, and ultimately how following him is, is different than following in the ways of this world. And so let's jump in. It's Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 15. And this is what Jesus says. 
If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. And then jumping down to verse 21. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. As, as, as we look at this passage, we see that Jesus is dealing with the reality of conflict. That, that being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that, that we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we get things right. That, that, that within the church, within our lives, within community, there's going to be times where we hurt people, where we wrong people. Sometimes completely unintentionally, and sometimes we do it on purpose. And, and either way, Jesus is laying out a plan as to how do we deal with conflict? How do we, how do we begin to deal with people who have hurt us? He's like, go to them. Talk to them, bring others, bring it to the surface, deal with it. And then I love immediately afterwards, Peter just wants some clarity. And what I love about Peter is Peter is the guy that says the things that likely everyone else in the room is thinking. And so he goes to Jesus. He's like, okay, Jesus, um, can you just help us out? Like, how often do we need to forgive people? Like this, this whole model of going back to them, like, can't we just write them off? Can't we just forget about them? Like, like help us out, Jesus. How many times do we need to forgive others? And, and Peter goes for a number that in his day and age would have seemed like a lot. It might seem like a lot to you. He's like, like, what about seven? Does seven work? And then Jesus says, <laughs> not seven, but 70 times seven, 77 times. And Jesus throws out a number. And listen, for all you math folks out there, this is not a math issue. This is a reality of, this needs to become a priority in our lives. That, that this needs to take root in who we are. And then Jesus continues by, by turning to a, a parable. And, and I just want to kind of walk us through a little bit. And again, if you have your Bible, you can read through this. It's Matthew chapter 18. But it's a story where Jesus says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a master who is owed great money from many people. And on one particular day, he, he calls in the servants to repay the debt. And there's one particular servant who owes him like an enormous amount of money, like, like millions and millions of dollars, like, like the amount of money that, that he will never be able to repay. And the master says to the servant, because you cannot repay this debt, I am going to sell you and your family so that you can work off the debt which again would have been common for those listening in Jesus' day. Well, the man like loses his mind. The servant's like, he falls to his knees. He, he asks for mercy. He says, just be patient with me. Just give me more time. Which, if you're following the story, knows there's not any amount of time where this man could ever repay his debt. And then the master does something amazing. He, he forgives the man his debt. Like, like imagine a game-changing moment. A debt you knew you could never repay has suddenly been forgiven. Like, imagine what you'd do. Like, how would you celebrate? What would you do? Well, Jesus continues. The man who was just forgiven then goes out onto the street and he notices someone who owes him 
like a, a couple thousand dollars, which doesn't seem like a lot when you've just been forgiven like a millions and millions of dollars. And this is where the twist gets interesting. This, this man then goes to the man who owes him money. He, he begins to choke him and demand that he repay him the money. And in a very similar way, the man says, just give me time. Just be patient with me and I'll repay you. Maybe, maybe this would be a light that would go off. Nope. The man refuses. He demands the man gets thrown into prison until a debt can be repaid off, which we're going to come back to in a moment, which just seems absolutely ridiculous because how do you possibly pay off a debt if you're in prison? Well, people see what has happened and they can't believe it. They go back to the master who'd forgiven this man millions of dollars and tell him what has happened. And the master is outraged. And this is what the king does. He calls the man in who he had forgiven much. And he says to them, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. And then this is the mic drop. Verse 35, Jesus says this, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. <laughs> Whoa. Anyone else kind of squirming at this moment? I mean, Jesus doesn't give us the option to not forgive. There is no loophole. And as I think of forgiveness, when I, I think of the reality that we all face in life, when I think of the conversations that I have with others, when I, when I think of just the significant importance it is in, in, as a follower of Jesus, how do we respond? And so what I want to do is I want to break this down into understanding what forgiveness is not. And then, and then take more of a look at what forgiveness actually is. And then, and then finally, look at what is the step that we can begin to take. And so first of all, what is forgiveness not? Forgiveness is not just kind of ignoring what has happened. Maybe you've heard that cliche or that lie, you know, we just need to forgive and forget. That, that's ridiculous. We, we don't forget. Like forgiveness is not just suddenly spiritual amnesia and just moving on. Notice at the start of the teaching, Jesus says, listen, if someone has wronged you, you don't just forget about it. You go to them and try to reconcile with them. And if that doesn't work, you go with others. And if that doesn't work, then you go with other people as well. You go with the church. You, you don't just forget about it. Like, like being a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is not just saying, well, you've wronged me. Don't worry about it. Just, just kind of continue to run over me. Don't worry about it at all. That's not forgiveness. Second thing forgiveness is not, it's not the same as reconciliation. Understand that, that reconciliation is when the relationship is now restored. Reconciliation is a two-way street. Forgiveness is the initial action that you take. Again, back to the teaching of Jesus. Notice there's a bit of a difference. He starts out with the person, if a believer, if a brother or sister in Christ has wronged you, go to them. And then at the very end, he says, if they don't confess, if, if they aren't willing to be reconciled, then treat them like you would a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, this verse is 
misinterpreted all the time. It, is Jesus saying we can like write them off? Like we can be mean, we can be cruel to them? No, 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 no. Understand how Jesus viewed tax collectors and people who were not his followers. He treated them with compassion. He, he was kind to them. But there was a change in dynamic when it comes to the relationship. And the very same thing is true. That, that at times reconciliation may not happen. That, that what we are required is to take that step of faith. Take that step of faith and to begin the process of forgiving. That's, that's on us. How the person responds is up to them. Which brings me to the final thought, is that forgiveness is not a removal of consequences. I think of people perhaps in abusive relationships and they're reminded of the need to forgive. It doesn't mean that they suddenly go back to that relationship. Sometimes the relationships will be broken, cannot be severed, and will not be restored. That doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven the person. I think sometimes we may live with a wrong sense of guilt because we feel, well, I want to forgive the person, and so do we go right back to where we were? No. We, we don't see that in the teachings of Jesus, that that there are consequences for our actions. And, and sometimes the consequences of, of sinful behavior and actions is that relationships will ultimately not be restored in the way they once were. And so if forgiveness is not ignoring it, if forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation, if it's not the removal of consequences, then what is forgiveness? Let me just talk about two things. Forgiveness, first and foremost, is a choice. In verse 35, Jesus reminds us we must forgive from our heart. Again, in our day and our age, we can misinterpret this. We think of our heart as being like, like the hub of our emotions. That wasn't the way in Jesus' day. The, the heart was, was the lifebeat of who we are. It, it understood both our will and our emotion, our choice and our feeling. And so Jesus is speaking about forgiveness. He's like, you need to make a choice, make a commitment, and allow your feelings to begin to catch up. Sometimes the choice we have to make over and over and over again. It doesn't just happen once. That's why Jesus says not seven times, but 77 times. You do it over and over and over again. Second thing we start to realize is just hopefully forgiveness is necessary. Not just simply because Jesus reminds us of how if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven, but just for the benefit of our own well-being. When I think of forgiveness, I think of like picking weeds from a garden. Like, like look at this beautiful bouquet of weeds. Like oftentimes when you look at a garden, what you want is the beauty of the flowers or the vegetables or the bushes. But what happens? The, the nastiness of weeds begin to turn up. And at first, we may kind of ignore them, and one or two may not be that bad. But if we don't deal with the weeds, the weeds will take over the entire garden and actually choke out the beauty that it meant to display. When I think of a lack of forgiveness... I think of how forgiveness begins to grow and build within our lives and choke out the beauty that we have. It, it, it begins to, to cause us to act in completely irrational ways. Again, go back to the parable and look at how this man acted. That he had just been forgiven a ton and then he sees a man on the street and he does two incredibly irrational things. Like the man owed him some money, but then he goes up and chokes the man. Like, 
Like, what gives you the right to retaliate in such a way? And then he throws the man in prison and is like, listen, you, you're going to prison until you can repay the debt. It's totally irrational. But what does that look like for us? I think at times we start to see the reality of unforgiveness that's gripping our heart when we respond to others who have hurt us in an irrational way. That maybe someone has hurt us in the past. They're a family member. They're a colleague. They're a boss. I don't know. And we see them and they do something little. And it's like we want to choke the life out of them, just like in this parable. There's probably a good sign that there's some unrepentant forgiveness needed in that moment. Or we... We may not put people in physical prisons, but, but we put them in such a place that no matter what they do, they're dead to us. I mean, I, 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 just, I just even hate that saying in our society. You know, that person, they're, they're dead to me. You're, you're basically putting them in relational prison that no matter what they do, you're never giving them a chance to be forgiven. And so how do we respond? How do we not allow the weeds of unforgiveness to begin to choke out our life. As we wrap up here today, listen, I, I recognize, I, I, I don't want to be flippant, but just for us to understand, what is it that, that we can begin to do? Because as a follower of Jesus, there is no loophole. Even for someone who's considering faith in Jesus, forgiveness is so critical in our life. And so how do we forgive? Let me, let me suggest three things. The first one is recognize this is a choice we make. Forgive people from your heart. You're not going to wake up wanting to forgive. Even as you go down the process of forgiving, it's, it's almost going to seem forced at first. But begin the process of saying, I am not going to retaliate towards you. I'm not going to be like that servant who's going to go out and choke someone or, or put them in relational prison. I'm going to position myself in a way that forgiveness can begin to work. That I, I may go to them. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to allow it just simply to bubble under the surface. Second thing is, like the parable says, don't put people in prison. Don't put people in places that, that, that you're never going to be able to forgive them. And then finally, and this is the most important thing, and this is where the reality of Jesus in our life begins to take shape. If we truly want to forgive, we need to first look to how much we have been forgiven by Jesus. That's what this parable is all about. Jesus is the master. We have come to him with offenses that we can never repay. Yet Jesus in his mercy forgives us by giving his life on the cross for us that we can be forgiven. And yet too often we lose sight of that. We, we forget about it. And so when we go about our regular day and someone offends us, and it may seem like a great offense, we are unwilling to forgive. That's why we bring our attention back to Jesus. We're not only reminded how we have been forgiven, but we recognize that, that for us to forgive others, this, this is not based upon our strength. So let me ask you a question. As you think of your life, do you have the weeds of unforgiveness beginning to grow? Can you relate a little bit that, that perhaps you respond in ways to others that is irrational, is inappropriate? It's probably a symptom that there's a need to experience some forgiveness in your life. 
Because the weeds of forgiveness are bitterness, anger, skepticism, resentment. And these things, as they begin to grow, will completely strangle the joy and the happiness and the contentment that we have in life. When Jesus speaks of the abundant life, he speaks of a life that is lived differently. We live in a culture that, that oftentimes we want to retaliate. We, we don't get mad, we get even, we say. But Jesus has another way. Jesus has a better way. And it's the way of forgiveness. By looking first to him. I realize that, you know, it's kind of gardening season. May long weekend. As you're out in your garden, as you're out in the stroll, as you're out in the park, whatever it may be, just take some time to reflect. As you see some of the weeds around us, ask yourself the question, is there someone you need to forgive? Some step you need to take? What can you do today? Can you make the choice? Can you focus upon Jesus and not only allow his grace to wash over you, but enable you to forgive others? Let me pray as we conclude. And so Lord God, we are grateful for this day. As hard as some of these teachings are, I I just thank you for how much we are forgiven. And so Jesus, I pray for those that are watching that perhaps are dealing with unforgiveness in their life and they have been wronged and they have been hurt in a variety of ways. But may the weeds of unforgiveness not begin to choke out their lives. May they look first to you realizing how much we have been forgiven so that we can stand upon your grace in order to forgive others. For we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the blessing, the grace, and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.